Hello everyone, it's Nikki. It's been a while since we've loaded a podcast and today it's just me. Mel and I have been busy with life. I finished second semester of my university degree and I've just started my holidays so I have time now to record something. Um, Mel and I will be back doing something together soon but for just today it'll be me. I'd like to share something with you all. Last Friday was two years since Oki passed away and I'd like to share how I've coped. Um, Obviously, you know that things haven't been easy um, and I'm definitely not an expert in how to cope with grief, but I'd like to share some things that have helped me understand what I've gone through and to now get to a point where I'm able to look and move forward to live my life. My hope is that those that are early in their loss may find a tip in this list. I'm fully aware that what has worked for me won't work for everyone. And if you've got something that you'd like to add to this list, come and join us on the Facebook page and add it to the comments. So the first thing, I actively grieve. I sit with my grief and I don't fight or ignore the feelings. There's been nights where I've cried and um, been inconsolable and there are days where I feel very flat. I don't try to avoid it by going to the beach or going to play tennis or going outside gardening or studying and trying to read a difficult book or something to get my mind off it. I accept that that's going to be a moment of grief and I sit with it. I cut, I almost cut off everything else and I tell my dad I can't help him in the yard and I tell my mum I don't feel like cooking even if I've promised that that's what I'd do. Um, I just need to cope with the grief in that moment. The second thing. I've realised that I'm the driver of my grief bus and therefore things happen on my terms. It may sound selfish um, and it probably is and that's how it is and I'm okay with that. So this is about me and I'm in charge and I'm the driver of the bus and that's how it is. Number three. I've spoken about this on the podcast, but I uh, ignored the stages of grief. And, of course, we all know now that they weren't written for people in grief like me. They were originally made for somebody who was terminally ill to deal with their own grief, um, facing their own death. So um, the stages of grief that people mention, like the next one, I've seen a psychologist every four to eight weeks from about the eight-month mark after my late husband passed away. I actually have an appointment today and I think that will be the last. My psychologist is fantastic. I can't recommend seeing a professional enough. Um, I've spoken about it at length. Um, the first session she's, she told me that she can't cure my grief and it was a shock but she has been wonderful and having a third party that I can talk to about my experiences has been invaluable. The next one, I avoid looking for silver linings in things or counting my blessings. 
this is about toxic positivity. Um, Mel, Mel and I have a, actually have written a podcast that we haven't recorded yet, but it's about this toxic positivity. Um, not everything has to have a, oh, um, yeah, silver lining. So losing Oki was the worst thing that could have ever happened and that's the end of the story. I don't need to look at that and say, um, yeah, we got to do this or we got to do that. Um, oh, but he was this or oh, but he was that. Yeah, he was and he died and that's the saddest thing could ever happen to me. The next one, I speak about this on the podcast too. I avoid making, I avoid man-made rules and rituals. For example, I don't do certain things on his birthday or death day. For example, last year on his death day, I had friends over for dinner and we had drinks and we were outside here at our house. And this year I didn't feel like doing that. I felt like going camping with my parents and we ended up having sort of torrential rain and floods in our area. So that didn't happen. And we actually sat up, we sat around all day kind of chilling out. And then at the end of the day, we ordered pizza, which never happens in our family. It was kind of kind of a bit of a, we had a couple of drinks and had takeaway pizza and it was perfect. It's all I felt like doing. And I just realised yesterday, I think, that I didn't go down to the beach where I'd scattered his ashes because I didn't feel I had to. I didn't feel like that's what I have to do. That's part of the rule I've made for myself. And that just becomes a stressful thing. I go down to that beach whenever I feel I want to. It's not a part of a ritual. The next one. I'm honest with people when they ask how I am. Um, it's really easy to say, yeah, I'm okay, I'm good. But what's the point of that? Grief affects everybody and maybe some people, especially when you're a young widow, people your age don't know how you're feeling because they haven't lost their spouse. But people are empathetic and people can try to understand if we tell them how we're feeling and I don't think it's beneficial to Put on a happy face all the time. If you're not feeling great and it's kind of been a shitty day, well, tell them. I, I, all, I also think it makes it easier the next time. So I might see somebody, especially early in the grief, when you run into people downtown and I might say, I've, I'm having, I've had a shitty week or it's not easy or it's a bit rough or, you know, I'm thankful I've, I've got my family close but things aren't easy. It actually makes it easier the next time you see them because then they ask you again, of course, and instead of thinking I have to tell them I'm good and you're not, but you maybe are feeling better than you were last time. So you can say that. I find it easier to tell people, yeah, I'm doing better than the last time you saw me. It makes them feel better too because you're being honest. And, of course, if you're not, I'm having a hard time because next week is two years since he passed away. There's no point, there's, I don't see a point in being dishonest to make somebody else feel better about a situation when it is like just a, an awful thing that you've gone through. And um, it's human, I think it's human nature to feel these feelings. And if we don't share it with other people, if they happen to go through what we're going through, at least they'll remember 
oh, that's right, Nikki had these feelings at that point. But then, you know, there were days where she said she was feeling good and maybe I'll come to a point where I'm feeling better too. And maybe it gives people an honest understanding of what it's like. The next one. I am only in a few support groups on Facebook. I've mentioned this as well, but um, there's Facebook is full of grief support, uh, widow support, all sorts of support. Um, but some are fantastic and others are real downers. Um, but that's a personal thing. So if you happen to be going through grief or widowhood, I really recommend going and joining and then leaving, sussing out which groups really suit you and which groups have people that you um, you can relate to and then no harm in leaving. The other thing is I think it's very important, Mel, Mel mentioned this before too, to make sure you join groups that have, a, have vetted the people that have joined. So, and that, that's quite common. So to find a Facebook group that that is private and closed and requires some kind of proof that you've lost your spouse because I have had so many face requests or uh, Facebook requests or messages through Messenger from people that are obviously scammers. They join groups like Facebook because there's vulnerable people in there and then we become an easier target. So that's just a little bit of an added bit of advice there. The next one, I talk about my loss um, of losing Oki and all the secondary losses that have come with that with my family and close friends. Um, and I don't apologise about it. So I'll just randomly start talking to my mum about things like it could be 8.30 at night and we're kind of sitting down almost going to bed and I'll start just saying something, whatever's on my mind if I need to talk about it. Um, my support group can support me because I'm open with them on what's going on in my head. So when I can tell them, they can then relate and then they can be empathetic and then they can say things later on like you used to say it was you were feeling like this and now you're feeling like this. It just makes things, I think, a lot more easier for me to be supported and probably for them, I hope, to support me. The next thing, <laughs> I ignored the list of things not to do in the first year. So if you look on online or if you read a few grief books, a lot of people will say, don't do anything big in the first year. You need 12 months to cope before you make any sudden moves like quit your job and move house or um, go on a holiday or whatever it is. Well, I did almost all of those things. I sold our house, quit my job, moved back home across the world to Australia and I committed to a four-year university degree. So <laughs> I think I broke all the rules. And for some people maybe that's having a little list to guide them is not a bad thing, but that didn't work for me. The next thing, I took my wedding ring off a few days after Oki passed away. I really think this helped me accept that I'm widowed and no longer married. 
this was also realized because of the family register system in Japan. So that was an extra kind of a bit of a shock to the system. But although my wedding ring was very cool and we had them hand made and designed and made in Japan and they were silver and kind of cool and they didn't look like wedding rings, I, I felt like it was a good thing for me to in like a first step in moving forward. Um, look, my wedding ring will always be my treasure and it, I've got Oki's as well and I thought at the beginning, oh, maybe I'll make some kind of silver jewellery piece out of them um, and maybe there's a connection to my new hobby of, you know, making silver jewellery. Maybe I will do that, something like that in the future. But I think a constant reminder on my finger that I'm married but he's dead wasn't good for my headspace. Mind you, it's a very divisive um, thing in the widow world and a lot of people will wear their wedding rings until forever and that's fine too. There's no rules. But for me, I took it off and I don't regret it. I have it. I could put it on if I wanted to. Next, I'm not apologetic about my situation or my feelings. I call people out, usually politely, when they say insensitive comments like, he's in a better place. Um. Yeah, that probably doesn't need much explanation. I don't think there is a better place than right here with me and with people that love him. And I don't find that comment helpful at all. I mean, it may be helpful for people of, you know, religious people that believe that they're with their creator or something like that. But um, a blanket statement like that doesn't, I don't get comfort from that. And I usually tell people. Um, the next one. I haven't gone into great detail about this and I probably will at some point, but maybe not. I'm not ready yet. But I cut ties with my toxic in-laws. Um, they didn't respect their son and I don't need their toxicity. I must protect myself and my mental health. And at the end of the day, they have never supported their son um and I have a problem with that so yeah that's that's that the next one <laughs> um if Mel was here she'd be laughing right now but um I actually only realized this maybe six months ago but my vice has been shopping so I now own some really lovely clothes um but recently it has settled down a lot of people turn to drinking and um, as a coping mechanism, of course. It's un totally understandable, I think. But I turned away from drinking. Um, Oki and I never drank at home anyway, but we were big social drinkers. If we had have gone out, then we'd have probably too many drinks. And I knew I was capable of binge drinking and I was always scared when he got uh, diagnosed with once it had come back as glioblastoma, I made a conscious decision not to drink and I basically didn't drink until I moved back to Australia and even then I think I now drink maybe one drink a week or two drinks if we're having like a couple of drinks after on a Saturday afternoon or something, but I'm not a big drinker. I'm not avoiding it. It's just not 
my thing for now. Um, so I'm in widowhood because I lost my husband and everything's, of course, everything, the base of everything is Oki. And Oki was, that was such an important part of my life. And, but widowhood is about me. I have to prioritize me and I'm not ap apologetic about that because my mental and physical health depends on it. So realizing that was a really big thing, especially if you've been in a situation like me where you haven't been able to prioritize yourself. And I don't mean that in a, um, that doesn't make me resentful or anything like that, but Oki was ill for 16 years. And as you can probably imagine, I wasn't my first priority. Um, so, yeah, it's about me. I'm, I, am the I am my priority. And I think realising that has become, has been a huge catalyst in coping with widowhood because I've realised that I need to do, I need to cope for me. I need to move forward for myself um, I'm only 44. I have a lot of life left to live and the only pressures I have are ones I choose to put on myself. And if I refuse to put those pressures on myself, then I don't have pressures to do certain things that other people expect of me. Um and that's my list. Of course, there's probably other things I may have um missed and if there's anything I've missed I'll write them in the comments on the um, podcast Facebook page but I guess at two years I'm feeling like I'm moving in the right direction sometimes it's forward in you know big bounds I guess and then sometimes it's like three steps backwards and you kind of think what happened I was doing so well but there's no race there's no um, goal as long as at the end of the day I'm slowly moving in a direction of my life and spending time with my people and um, realising that, you know, I have, I've had an amazing life with Oki and um, losing him was awful and terrible. But it doesn't mean I've lost my love for him and it doesn't mean that my life has to stop. And I need and I want to live and enjoy my life and spend my time with my people and make new friends and make new experiences and hold Oki in my heart from here on forward and looking back and reflecting and enjoying memories is important but I can't and don't want to. And probably that's a main point. I don't want to get caught in looking back. I feel like I'll miss what's coming up next. So just to end, I'd, I'd like to thank Oki for the life I had and my amazing family and wonderful friends that have supported me over and through my widowhood. It is a lot for you all, I'm sure, Yet you never make me feel like it's too much. I can live life because I have you all 
and my parents have welcomed, welcomed me back home and supported me every day without pushing me to do this or do that. The unconditional love I have from them and Mel is a huge part of how far I've come. And this is why I'm so passionate about the importance of support. Losing a spouse is not something we get over. It's compounded when you haven't lived through all the moments that we were robbed of. But my hope is that widows can see it's possible to move forward and live life and that to do that, supporters are vital. I can only imagine what state I'd have been in if I didn't have my support and I'll be forever grateful. Mel and I will be back making podcasts again soon. With lots of love, Nikki.